Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Jeff, and along with Brian, we are the hosts of this program. Hello and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. Appreciate you joining us this morning. My name is Brian. Along with me is Jeff. Jeff, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Doing real well. Looking forward to uh, today's discussion with our special guest. Yeah. So we have Alan hitching along. Alan, appreciate you joining us this morning to talk about the whole armor of God. Alan, I'm really happy to be talking about it, Brian. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The Bible, as we often like to talk about in these podcasts, really give us all things that pertain to life and godliness, as we see in Second Peter chapter 1. And as it relates to the different battles, spiritual battles that we will all face in our life, it's no different here, is it, Alan? God has given us some very important tools and kind of goes through in a descriptive way to help us understand the power of those tools to combat Satan and the other evils in this world. Yeah, that, and that's exactly right. The uh, scriptures give us a lot of different illustrations from this life, and one of them is the athlete and the battles that they have to try to be the winner in First Corinthians chapter 9 and in First Timothy chapter 1. Uh, Paul talks about waging the good warfare. So as he talks to Timothy, let me just read that passage in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. This charge I commit to you, Timothy, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have, have suffered shipwreck. So waging the good warfare here is, I think, a very different perspective than a lot of Christians are being, or a lot of disciples, so-called disciples maybe, but they're being taught today that Christianity is a, because of the grace of God and the mercy of God, it's actually just awaiting. There's, there's no difficulties, there's no trials, there's no wicked temptations that we have to deal with because once we're saved, we're always saved. But the scriptures actually paint a very different picture. They, pick, they paint a picture of a epic battle between good and evil that doesn't just take in human existence, but also in, in, the, in the realm where God is. There, was a, there is a battle going on, a battle between good and evil, a, a battle between God and Satan, a battle between false teachers and those who hold to the truth, a, a battle between those who are seeking to do God's will and those who are not. And so waging the good warfare is a, is a good way for us to prepare to talk about the whole armor of God, because unless we understand what we're up against, we're not going to be motivated to put that armor on. Well, and I appreciate your comments kind of along the lines of, you know, uh, faith only or once saved, always saved, because sometimes you'll hear people say, you know, all you need to do is accept Christ as your personal savior. And in some ways, you're like your ticket's punched, and then you don't need to worry. But as you know, as we're starting to point out at the very beginning of, of today's podcast, as you said, there's a battle, there's a war, which certainly talks or speaks to a, a lot of conflict. Now, the verse you read in First Timothy, you know, suggests, and, and you've suggested to some degree that this warfare involves, you know, battling with other people, of course, in a spiritual way, not in a physical way. But you know, I'm reminded that often this battle really goes on also within ourselves, uh, that there's this tug of war, uh, if you will, uh, somewhat between you know, what, we, what we know to be right and what we want to do, or b between what our body wants and what uh, you know, our, our spirit wants, you know, informed by God's word. And I'm kind of reminded of what uh, uh, James said, we're in James chapter 4, verse 1. It says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members um, within themselves? And likewise, First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So, and yeah, the, the battle often is external, but uh, as we read some of these verses, it's also internal. And, and sometimes it's the internal battle that often is the... Uh, 
uh, I don't know if I want to say the harder to overcome because it's on us. It's our it's our choices. It's our attitudes. It's our uh, desires or overcoming our desires for what we want to do versus what God wants us to do. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. You know, Jesus made it very clear. If your hand causes you to stumble or your foot or your eye, you need to remove that because if you don't, he says, your whole body could be cast into hell. So my eternal soul is the prize. God wants me to keep it into eternity. And Satan, for whatever reason, out of hatred and, and a desire to damage God's plan and God's love for us, has, has set himself to destroy us. And that's the nature of the battle here. The nature of the battle is that Jesus died on the cross to save our souls but Satan still wants to destroy our souls. And so we're, we're in a battle, we're in an epic battle. And my soul, your soul, the friends, the friends and brethren that we work with soul, that's what this battle is all about. Yeah, and you know, as Christians, uh, I think we would all like to think or hope that our spiritual walk will always be filled with peace and unity. But you know, the reality is that when men are part of the equation, there will naturally be some wars or conflicts that we have to fight. And, you know, Paul's command to Timothy over in 1 Timothy chapter 4, I think really kind of helps talk more about this, where he talks about, you know, those battles that we must fight outside of ourselves. So we have these internal battles, but we also have the ones outside of ourselves. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with the hot iron. And so, Alan, you know, we are in those latter times, right? And we all, I think, can see people today who are doing exactly what Paul mentioned and talked to Timothy about. Yes. And it's so sad to see. One of the things that I found early in my Christian walk is that the desire to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and especially to talk to our friends, our neighbors, uh, our our close companions, it often turns into a battle. It often turns into a debate. In other words, there's truth and there's error, and the people who have error want don't want to leave it. Uh, like John said, they're in the darkness and they want to stay in the darkness and they hate the light. So, the the battle is within. The battle is over truth. The battle is over a, a devotion for God where we, we love him and we want to be on his side and we want to make sure that everything that we believe and everything that we practice, uh, you know, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, when he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy or cast out demons or do mighty works in your name? And then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Talk about losing a battle. Uh, talk about people who have been totally taken captive by the errors of this world, that, the, that Satan, I mean, Paul directly, or the Holy Spirit directly places his back on doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. So many times what we consider to be a local battle between us and a, a the false teachings of some denomination and the Holy Spirit here reveals, well, it didn't really start with those individuals. It, it started further back than that. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Because the battle that we're fighting is not a fleshly battle at all. It's a spiritual battle. So he goes on to say the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So let's go back. They, they have the ability to destroy the, to destroy the strongholds that our fleshly desires have taken residence in our minds and bringing us into captivity to the law of sin and death. So the, uh, our warfare, the weapons that God has given to us, the armor of God, a very large part of those weapons, they have divine power to destroy the strongholds that sin has taken hold of in my heart, but they also have the ability to destroy the strongholds of the false teachers and the errors that are in the world today. And so verse 5, we destroy arguments 
and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So this is the outside battle. We destroy arguments. When you have the armor of God on and you have that uh, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God and the shield of faith, then you go out and you do battle. And you can destroy the arguments of false teachers. You can destroy the arguments of those people who are trying to destroy your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones. So, And also, they allow us to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So, as God's people, we have to take note. God has invited us into this battle. Again, the battle that started in the Garden of Eden when Satan destroyed or murdered or put to death Adam and Eve through his lies and through his false teachings. He introduced the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life into this world. And, you know, ever since, we've all done battle with them. Our fathers, our grandfathers, our great-grandfathers, all the way back thousands of years, we've all been fighting these same battles. And God has watched us. Some of us win, some of us lose. And God has given us the tools we need so that we can win. And this is, this is the imperative nature of what we're talking about here, that this is a battle, and whether we like it or not, or whether we believe it or not, we're in the middle of it, and we need to be prepared to, to deal with it. Yeah, in some ways, I find it interesting just listening to the vocabulary, you know, that we're seeing coming out of the scriptures, you know, battle, war, waging war, weapons, taking things captive, and of course, you know, we can easily relate to that in a physical sense or a national sense of, you know, nations at war, et cetera. But it's interesting when we look at it from a spiritual perspective. I mean, you know, we're, we're certainly not advocating what some people might from the Islamic world call, you know, jihad, you know, Christian jihad, Christian warfare, you know, grab, grabbing a, a rifle and then starting to force people to believe in Christ. But the imagery there, you know, certainly brings, you know, the, the struggle, the conflict, you know, I'm also, uh, you know, reminded you were talking about God and Satan, you know, in this, you know, ongoing uh, battle that's been raging for millennia. You know, one of the passages that comes to my mind, and I know it's sitting inside of a very symbolic book, the you know, book of Revelation. Uh, and we have to be very careful when we approach those kinds of things. But I'm reminded of Revelations chapter 12, where it talks about war in heaven, beginning with verse 7. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And, of course, elsewhere and later on in this passage, you can see that's Satan. Fought with the dragon, and the dragon had, and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, we, you know, we could certainly get into some interesting you know, conversation about, is that ancient past? Is it the future? You know, there's some evidence that might suggest that it's in the past. It's already occurred. But anyway, regardless of when, there's all that symbology that it's not just Christians, but it's also you know, angelic hosts, God and Satan, etc., which is a fascinating glimpse uh, into, the, uh, into the supernatural world where the you know, battle occurs there as well. Yeah, I agree. It's it's amazing to me. You know, there are so many things like you mentioned, Jeff, in Revelation where, yes, it's figurative, but there are principles that we read about that are just hard for us to grasp, right? Like thinking about it, this battle in heaven. And of course, as we study the scriptures, we clearly see that God has all power. And through the death of Jesus, of course, he proved that he has power over death and power over Satan. And of course, God's even given us powers over him. And, you know, so even though we see here that within this context, Revelation chapter 12, that this victory in heaven was won, God showed that he did have all power. It doesn't change or it doesn't mean that we have victory on this earth. We still have battles that we must fight. And in fact, continuing on there in Revelation chapter 12, it says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in a great wrath because he knows that his time is short. 
Continuing on in verse 14, then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So we see more about this battle, right, Alan? And, you know, given the reality that Satan is active today, we have to be aware that the battle between Satan and us is active and we must be prepared to fight that battle. Yeah, amen. That is exactly, and and God is revealing these things to us, not to terrify us, but to show us that these things are serious, that our souls are not yet, they're still in the balance. The battle is raging, and Satan on his side, and we'll see this more clearly. One of the reasons I like this passage in Revelation is because it helps us understand the clear passage in Ephesians, which is not symbolic or figurative, it's literal. And he takes many of the principles we're seeing in here in, in Revelation, and he applies them to what we're, what we're contending with today, because we're not fighting with fleshly weapons, and we're not fighting against fleshly individuals. But this is a spiritual battle. It's a battle within. It's a battle for truth, and it is being fought against error, it is a battle for holiness and righteousness, which is being fought against the less of the flesh and the less of the eyes. And so once we understand how dire situation is, I mean, listen to what he says there. The devil is furious, went off to make war with those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And I've heard this stated many times in my life, and I know it's true, and that is that Satan doesn't have to worry about all of the people who are not Christians because he's already conquered them. He's already won that battle. So his focus is on devout Christians. And the more devout they are, the more fierce the battle will be. And we see that clearly with Jesus, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But the battle against Jesus when he was being tempted is the same battle that we're contending with today. And so when Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So we're not battling against Satan with our own resources. If we were, we couldn't win. But we're battling against Satan with the Lord's resources, with the strength of his might. And so his counsel to us is put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, think about it. As our listeners are thinking about this, I often, I think you remember when we talked about the seven things we should add to our faith, the first step is to learn what they are. So if I were to give you a paper and say, write down the armor of God and consider how you have put it on, I'm afraid a lot of Christians would have to, would be saying, I, I don't know if I can quote them all. I don't know if I, if I, now, even after I read them, I don't know if I, if I've really put the effort in on this. And so when we realize that we're waging a battle, Paul told Timothy to wage the, 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 the good warfare or fight the good warfare. And he told us that there's wars and fights and there's fleshly lusts making war and we need to put on the whole armor of God. And there's false teachers out there. So we need to put on the whole armor of God. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power or are mighty to destroy strongholds because we're not waging war according to the flesh. This is a spiritual battle. And a lot of times people aren't even aware that it's going on. And so he says, you be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This reminds me of Proverbs chapter three, verse five, where he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Because it, when we try to fight this battle with our own power, we will not be able to do it. We are against foes that are that have been fighting this battle for thousands of years, and they've seen people like us before, and without God's help, we just can't get through this. You know, there's a couple words in the, uh, the passage you just mentioned that kind of attracted my attention. You know, the first one was the wiles 
of the devil. And I just did a, just a really quick lookup with an online Bible aid. I think we get our English word methods from that, but it's really more than that, uh, at least according to one dictionary I found. Cunning arts, deceit, craft, trickery. To me, that, that, that says, you know, in this kind of battle, a lot of things are disguised. They're camouflaged. They're not obvious. They, they look good. They look attractive. Or the arguments from someone else sound good, sound attractive. But there's some kind of uh, underlying, you know, deception, craft and trickery uh, that's going on. I, I found, you know, that word kind of uh, interesting. The other word... And it's, you know, you just kind of read right over and not even realize it. Put on the whole armor of God. And I don't know if we're going to get much into, you know, the various pieces, so to speak, of the armor. But, you know, certainly in battle, you know, yeah, you can't just take a, for instance, in a physical battle, physical war, conflict, whatever. You know, you just can't take a, you know, rifle into battle. You know, you need like helmet and you need boots and you need all these other things. And you need the whole, the whole ensemble, if you will. Because if you're lacking something, you know, that can expose you to attack for whatever part of your physical body that's, you know, left uncovered, you know, for instance. Same with, in terms of our, our spiritual battle, spiritual striving. Alan, any comment on that before? I got a couple other verses here that come to mind, but any comment on that before I move forward? You know, when you were talking, I, I, got, I was thinking to myself, because that's an excellent concept. And that's why they have basic training. I mean, in basic training, they teach these soldiers how to put on the whole armor and how to use that armor. And I guess in that respect, Christians need, and, and, and that's what this, this podcast is dedicated to doing, is helping us start to do this basic training so that we know what it is we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, good point. Uh, one or two other verses at least come to my mind when we start talking about, you know, in general, being strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. You know, dig a little bit deeper into this concept of the devil and his trickery or his wiles. I'm, I'm reminded of Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, where it talks about Satan taking advantage of us, uh, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And, of course, you could easily turn that verse around and, and talk about the dangers of being ignorant of his devices. And when I get a few moments, I might look up, look that word up as well, devices. But again, you know, like in terms of a physical battlefield, if we're not acquainted with the enemy, if we're not acquainted with his tactics, if we're not acquainted with the way he does camouflage or the way he sets up ambushes or whatever the case may be, you know, if physical soldiers can, uh, you know, get injured, lose their lives because they were surprised, for instance. Same with uh, in the spiritual world. We need to be aware. We need to be familiar. We need to be knowledgeable of the kinds of tips, techniques, camouflage, whatever uh, that Satan would use. And of course, we're not talking Satan physically appearing in front of us, but through means, you know, through our own lusts, like we've already mentioned, through the actions of others. You know, we certainly don't want to be ignorant of the techniques he uses. I'm also reminded of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 which kind of uses a slightly different terminology than warfare, but still in terms of a struggle and danger. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So now it's shifted a little bit from, you know, warfare with someone else to, you know, dangers from, you know, predators. But you can easily see the parallel uh, with you know, military confrontation, some enemy who seeks your life. Uh, and the fact that we do need to be sober, we do need to be vigilant, we need to be on our guard, we need to have our defenses up, you know, all these kinds of terms we naturally use. Uh, at all times, lest the, uh, lest the enemy somehow, you know, break through, finds a weakness, and now, now we're struggling, or worse. Yeah, those are good points because there there are so many analogies to physical war. You're exactly right, and you know, going back to this word wiles, you know, in the Greek, it talks about in Strong's it being a compound of method, as you were talking about, and trickery, lying in wait. And so, when you think about, you know, once again in war, you have enemies that do that very thing, but certainly Satan in the spiritual realm is trying to use trickery. He is lying in wait. In fact. 
you know, we see these wiles, if you will, in the Garden of Eden, when the devil used them to destroy Adam and Eve through the lust of the flesh, through the lust of the eyes, through the pride of life. In fact, if our listeners want to make a note, you can look in Genesis chapter 3, where it talks all about this, and specifically verse 6, where it says that, you know, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. So the devil used his trickery, he used wiles to convince her that these would all be appealing qualities. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, and it caused her to sin. Uh, we see it when Job was really attacked, if you will, and lost his family, his possessions. He lost pretty much everything that was close to him, and on top of that had boils, had tremendous health problems. He could say his faith was severely tested. In fact, even his own wife wanted him to curse God and die. Uh, but Job remained strong, and we're told that all, all that he went through, he did not sin. And then certainly even with Jesus, you know, in Matthew chapter 4, where it talks about how Satan tempted him after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Satan really wanted to try and destroy the plan of God using those same temptations, right? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. But of course, Jesus used the sword of the Spirit, right? Like we've been talking about, the truth to fight these temptations from Satan. So, Alan, we see many examples of the different methods, the trickery, if you will, that Satan will use to try and turn us from the Lord and to, you know, turn us really towards him. Yeah, excellent points, Brian and Jeff. I hope our listeners are, are starting to grasp what God is trying to get across to us here, which is that we are in a war for our soul. We are in a battle for our soul and the souls of those people that we love and care about. And uh, these three things that, that we've talked about here, what happened in the garden, what happened to Job, what happened to Jesus, Satan was trying to destroy them. These are the weapons. These are the devices. These are the methodology that Satan uses. We shouldn't be ignorant of them. The next time we're being tempted to commit a sin, we need to recognize that this is ju not just a temptation against my flesh. This is a battle between Satan and I, and if I lose it, then I've lost my soul. And fortunately for us, God has given us a tremendously powerful piece of armor, and that is repentance and confession and the ability to heal whatever wound we just, get, get, we just put ourselves through when we, when we succumb to a temptation. And... The same thing with error. You know, we are continually reading the scriptures, trying to understand what God wants us to know so that we do not get overtaken in an error. As John said, whoever goes on and doesn't stay in the teachings of Christ does not have God. So if Satan can get me to go outside of the boundaries of the scriptures, then he, I'm in his power. I've been devoured by this lion. I have been destroyed by his great anger and war that he's warring against us. And Paul takes this, or actually the Holy Spirit through Paul takes this a little bit further when he says in uh, chapter 11, or chapter 6, verse 11, that we have the wiles of the devil. But then in verse 12, he says, our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And as I read this verse, I'm reminded of what the book of Revelation said, which was the devil and his angels went to war against Michael and his angels. And of course, we know that Michael the archangel is, plays a very great role, along with Gabriel, and many of the things that are going on in this world. And in one of the prophets, it actually talks about the fact that these uh, heavenly beings are working with us and fighting for us and working with God's plan and, and fighting. And now we have the other side, the devil and his angel. And so who are these angels? Well, they're these principalities, powers, rule, world rulers of this darkness and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now. God's not revealing this to us to terrify us, but he's revealing this to us so that we understand that, you know, when, when it said the devil went to battle 
I think that battle started in the Garden of Eden. I think that battle started when he destroyed all of God's plans. I mean, think about it. God made this beautiful world, uh, this beautiful physical creation. And he gave Adam and Eve pure souls in his image and likeness. And in one day, and maybe just in one hour of one day, Satan did something in this creation that caused God to have to curse the physical creation and caused him to see that Adam and Eve were now dead in their sin and it was going to pass down to all of their offspring. And so this battle commenced and it commenced with this statement to Satan and that is when uh, someone will come and you will bruise his heel but he will crush your head. So this battle was completely turned when Jesus died on the cross and when God raised him from the dead, and now victory is assured. But our wars and our battles, they're not just against flesh and blood. Jeff pointed this out earlier. We don't use physical battle. We don't use physical weapons. We don't try to force people to obey the gospel because even if they did, it wouldn't matter. They have to obey the the gospel of their own free will. So we're in the same conflict between good and evil that's being that's been fought since the Garden of Eden. And so it's just our turn. The generations continue to come and go. A new generation is filling the earth. And as we now have this opportunity, we're just like Adam and Eve. We are just like Job. We are just like Jesus. We are just like Paul or Peter or Moses. All of them fought the battle and most of them won the victory. And so now it's our turn. And we just have to recognize that this isn't something that was started with our generation and it won't finish with our generation. So these powerful forces are arrayed against God. And since we're servants of God, they're arrayed against us because we are part of what they can do to damage God. They certainly can't fight against God. So they're content to damage his servants, to try to destroy his servants, to try and undo as much of the work that God did as they possibly can. And once we recognize that, now we're going to be God's allies. We're going to put on that armor. We're going to do as much as we possibly can within our little sphere of influence and within our within our power to help God with these things. But without that armor, we can't really, we can't even engage. We can't even get involved in this fight. Yeah, while you guys were talking, I was doing a little bit of offline uh, research, going back to that word device or devices, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I found it interesting, talking about his devices, you know, Satan's devices. Uh, the underlying Greek word has an interesting meaning, mind device or thought. Those are some of the uh, the translations. So Satan's thoughts, Satan's mental perceptions, Satan's evil purpose is an, another phrase here. Uh, that which thinks the mind, thoughts, or purposes. So in, in some ways, it's, it's to a degree less, you know, physical what he uses, but it's like his underlying attitude. Uh, you know, we mentioned First Peter chapter 5, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You mentioned earlier, Revelation chapter 12, furious with, well, actually furious with us. And, you know, I'm reminded based on that of the word implacable, relentless or, or, or ruthless or unrelenting unrelenting you know it's not like satan had victory in you know the garden of eden and now he can of course sort of sit back and rest on his laurels and you know snub his nose at god so to speak this is an ongoing relentless ruthless well ruthless person relentless battle that's been going on for thousands and thousands of years which kind of boggles the mind and as you said Okay, now it's our turn. <laughs> Go forth and do battle. Um, but, you know, as we've already tried to point out, it's not just us. You know, if we were just left to our own devices and our own knowledge and our own, our own wisdom, you know, we'd lose. As a lot of people in the world do because they don't have, you know, the wisdom and knowledge, et cetera. And training, as you mentioned earlier, basic training, you know, from God. Because one of the uh, the things I'm, I'm reminded of, and I guess it's back uh, continuing on uh, here in Ephesians, 
where we get down to like, uh, let's see, I lost the verse here. Oh, here we go. Verse 13. We mentioned already, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Key point being is this is not a battle God's going to do for us. It's not a battle that God can do for us. It's a battle that, you know, God can help us with, train us with, you know, you mentioned basic training, you know, drill instructors, etc. You know, he can give us the, the manual and all the instructions, etc. But it's something we have to, I like that phrase, we have to take up. We have to look at it, become familiar with it, put it on, and do all that we can then to withstand and, and doing everything we can, having, you know, stood, you know, stood the test, stood the battle, you know, victorious in the battle. You know, basically we have to, you know, be very, you know, God has done everything he ha- can do. And yet still we have our part and it have to be a very, very serious, a sober part. And certainly not something that we can do in sort of like a casual or superficial or, or, or playful manner, you know, and far from it. Certainly we saw, you know, Eve, Eve lost everything in the garden. In Job's day, he lost, you know, everything in terms of, you know, physical. Uh, in Jesus' day, you know, Jesus, if he had succumbed, you know, he would have lost everything. So it's like everything's at stake, so to speak, uh, to include, you know, our soul's eternal destiny. Uh, uh, not destiny, but eternal uh, eternal life, you know, hangs in the balance, so to speak. Yeah, and, and that preparation is so key. You know, I was thinking about what Jesus said on, in the Sermon on the Mount about building that foundation. And of course, we know Jesus had that foundation, but so did Job. Job had a solid foundation where he was able to prevent Satan from convincing him to turn from the Lord. Adam and Eve did not have that foundation, right? And they fell. And so, you know, it's interesting. If we're not prepared for this spiritual battle, it'd be like a child who, you know, has an outfit, if you will, or he wants to be a soldier and is content using like a plastic shield or a toy gun or a plastic sword. We would all know that, that, well, that's kind of ridiculous, right? You're not going to be able to fight a physical adversary with toys. Really, the analogy is if we are not prepared spiritually, if we do not have a strong foundation, then we're not going to be prepared to fight uh, Satan. And of course, you know, Jesus, as we talked about earlier in Matthew 4, kind of gave us the pattern, if you will, right, to be familiar with the truth and to use it directly to fight the devil, right? To lean back on that that foundation. And so, Alan, I guess this kind of brings us back to something that you mentioned at the very beginning in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. You know, God has given us this power over Satan. And when I think about how we're blessed, that's one of the greatest areas where God has given us the blessing of being able to not be forced to sin or forced to succumb to Satan, but to be spiritually prepared and therefore have the power to cause him to flee from us. Yeah, that uh, that's what we're trying to get across to all of our listeners today. And, and it's uh, really the goal of this podcast is to help us recognize the nature of the battle that we're in. Because, as I said at the beginning, you're not going to be motivated to put on the whole armor of God unless you see the battle is raging and you need to be a part of that battle. Uh, we have several songs in the songbook that talk about being uh, putting on the whole armor of God and being a soldier and rising and doing battle. And so, but none of that's going to happen if we don't put on the whole armor of God, because we're not going to be prepared. There's nothing that we are going to be able to do if we don't have the weapons that God has prepared for us. So, you know, that that takes us through now to the rest of the section, which is 14 through 17. And as you can see, you, you gird your loins with truth. So there's your first piece of armor, is the girding of the loins. Then the breastplate of righteousness, then the shotting of the shoes or putting on of the shoes with the preparation of the gospel, 
Then in verse 16, taking the shield of faith, uh, with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the evil one, and then take the helmet of salvation, and then finally the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And over the years as I've looked at this, I've kind of come to the conclusion that nearly everything in here is dealing with the Word of God. The Word of God is the armor. So truth is from the Word of God. Thy Word is truth. And righteousness, which means fulfilling our obligations to God and our fellow man, comes from the Word of God. Preparation in the Gospel comes from studying the Scriptures. The shield of faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. The helmet of salvation. Salvation is taught to us in the Scriptures, and we are told that only by following the Scriptures will we gain that salvation. And then, of course, the the final one, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So, God's Word is God's sword. So, we have all of these pieces of armor, and so, you know, you add them up. Truth, one. Righteousness, two. Preparation of the gospel, three. Shield of faith, four. Helmet of salvation, five. And sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is six. So there are six pieces of armor that God wants us to understand that we need to put on. And so as a Christian and as, as one of God's servants, uh, we need to take this seriously. We, we spent the entire introduction to get here to help us understand why this is so important. Stand therefore, he says, having done all to stand. Stand in the strength of God's might. And then he starts in. Here's how you do that. So God's intensely interested. He wants us to he wants to see whether we want to engage in this battle whether we want to help him, whether not only do we want to save our own soul, but we want to do battle against error. We would like to save the people who are still lost. We would like to save the people that are already saved but are wavering. And so it's a battle. And so I need truth, and I need righteousness, and I need preparation. And then the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let's talk just a little bit more about each one of these things before we leave our listeners to work with them. You remember Jesus in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. He said, If you stay within my word, you will be my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So girding our loins with truth would mean just like Jesus did when he was being tempted. I don't know if our listeners remember this, but when this battle was going on, Satan was quoting scriptures, but misquoting them. And Jesus was responding by quoting scriptures that taught the truth. And that was the nature of their battle. Jesus being told, why don't you command these stones to become bread? And then Jesus saying, man does not live by bread alone. Now, both of those are from the scriptures. And the same thing with each that he did. He had girded his loins with truth. And when the devil tried to twist things, he was able to stand. He he had done all and he was able to do what Eve did not do. Eve had the same opportunity. Satan twisted God's word. She had the right to quote God and say, I believe God. I'm going to stay with the truth. But she did not. So as, as God's people, we need to look at whether truth is a premium to us and whether we want the truth and we want to be able to quote these scriptures. And as we move through them, uh, some of these are more complicated, some left. Alas, as I, as I said earlier, righteousness simply means treating people fairly and justly, treating people as God has told us to treat them in the scriptures. So Once again, we come back to the scriptures. Am I treating my wife in righteousness? Am I loving her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her? As a a wife, am I treating my husband with righteousness by submitting to him? And so everything that God has told us to do, when we do it, we're putting on the armor of God. We're putting our breastplate on. 
preparation of the gospel. That's why we never forsake assemblies. That's why we are always reading our Bibles. We are preparing because, as it was said earlier, there's an evil day coming. We may not have come to that evil day yet. Job had an evil day. He was able to withstand, but you remember Satan telling God, uh, does Job fear God for nothing? If you take away his possessions, he'll curse you to your face. Well, that's the devil's philosophy, and he may try it on us. And so we need to be prepared. So should that happen, he will not be able to conquer us just as he was not able to conquer Job. Then the shield of faith, of course, is so critical because if we do not have that absolute total confidence in God, then we we are not going to be able to save our souls. And helmet of salvation, the, the desire to be saved, the motivation behind wanting salvation is, is crucial. To You remember in, in Hebrews chapter 6, he talks about God swore with an oath so that you and I would have strong consolation that we are going to be saved. And, and you remember in Hebrews chapter 11, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having greeted them and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims. And then finally, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and that is our ability to do battle against false teachers, do battle against our own inward reasoning when we're telling ourselves, well, let's just give in to this temptation. No, if I do, I'm, I'm a sinner. If I do, I'm wicked. The sword of the Spirit is going to be needed to be able to do these things. So, our listeners are, are really encouraged to, to delve into this a little bit more. I've given you a very quick overview. And so, uh, Jeff, would you like to uh, talk a little bit about that? Well, certainly. And one of the things that kind of impresses me about this whole, and sometimes you may hear the, the, the technical term panoply, which basically the whole armor, all these different pieces. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I'm kind of impressed by the fact that all, we've got all these different parts. They all kind of work to give us, if you will, a, a completely uh, complete protection, you know, in terms of defensiveness. I mean, if you were to draw a picture of all these different parts, like on a Roman soldier physically, you would see that his whole body was protected regardless of, you know, where the where the attack is coming from. Uh, but at the same time, there's also some uh, offensive capability, you know, in terms of the sword. Uh, now, and of course, I, I want to keep mentioning the ability to go on offense not in a offensive manner, you know, the word can be used both ways, you know, certainly not to mistreat people, but to actually do battle against, you know, false doctrine, false arguments, uh, and those kinds of things, and actually hopefully come out uh, victorious, despite everything that Satan has thrown our way. And as we can kind of see in the example of Job, he's got a lot of tools in his arsenal as well. And of course, we have to be you know, on our on our guard as well. Alan, anything else before uh, we start to wrap things up? No, I think that uh, we've pretty well covered what I wanted to talk about today, and I sure hope our listeners will take these things to heart, because if we don't, Satan will deceive us, and we will be so grieved on the last day. Thank you, Alan. You know, appreciate you, you know, bringing this topic uh, and uh, your, your, your time and uh, bringing this to our audience for their consideration. Brian, uh, do you have any other thoughts before we wrap things up? Yeah, one final point for me. And, you know, we've been talking about, of course, being prepared for this war. And we know that God has given us the necessary equipment, as we've discussed, if we were just simply willing to put it on. You know, God's also given us another powerful tool, which, frankly, I think we could call our secret weapon. And that is the promise of always being able to win the war because we have power over Satan. And, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 tells us, first and foremost, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So we have to be aware that we can fall and will fall if we are not prepared. But, you know, verse 13 is that secret weapon, right? No temptation has overtaken you such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And then in verse 14, he says, Therefore, my beloved, flee. So what a wonderful promise from God and wonderful power that he's given us by never allowing us to be tempted above what we are able. So but therefore, we have no excuses, right? We can be prepared and we can flee from Satan 
and ultimately use these tools that God has given us to win this war. Yeah, I like that point because, you know, in a physical sense, you know, we could put on all the equipment yeah, in terms of, you know, the helmet and the flak jackets and the, the boots and the whatever. But if we're kind of timid or if we're intimidated, you know, by the enemy, afraid, you know, all that equipment's going to do nothing for you. Uh, and I like that final point that you made there, Brian, that, uh, you know, we, we can have confidence, you know, not overconfidence, of course, but we can have confidence that Satan, despite millennia of techniques and countless millions and billions of people that he's been able to overcome, we can be victorious. And so we can, you know, you know step out, so to speak, into battle with a, with a sense of confidence, which hopefully our, our listeners can, uh, you know, foster as well you know in some ways i've been kind of thinking you know where do we point people to in the website uh, and we do have a lot of material but we've got topics all over the place that touch on this in many different ways uh, for instance going back to the various aspects of the whole armor in terms of uh, you know the gospel and faith and salvation and the word of god you know t for truth R for righteousness, G for gospel, F for faith, S for salvation, S for sword, uh, even like B for Bible study, you know, in terms of you know, gaining increased knowledge of the word. And then, of course, we have other categories like C for controversy and some of those situations we get into, uh, as well as C for Christian living. A lot of articles on how to better ourselves, improve ourselves, you know, strengthen ourselves for the battle. Uh, F for flesh, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, S for suffering, uh, which often accompanies the warfare. Uh, U for unity, which is where we want to try to get to. And then, Brian, I, I think uh, to highlight one of the last things you said, Z for zeal, that we you know have to you know keep on keeping on and do everything we can to stand in the evil day. So hopefully our listeners will have a hint, if you will, to come back to our website at biblequestions.org and a lot of articles that you can continue your study about not only the battle, but also our role in it and all of the defensive and offensive armor that we can have to be victorious. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.